Hey, good morning. How are we? Um, man, whenever I get to hear beautiful singing and watch kids dancing and have my brother and sister-in-law lighting candles before church even starts, that's a good day, right? Um, so that was great. I definitely almost teared up uh, watching my little girl. What's up, pretty girl? How are you? <laughs> um, man, it is good. Christmas Eve, good to be here with you all. Um, glad y'all are here this morning. So uh, my name is Tori. I'm one of the pastors here at The Well. Uh, so if you're a guest, uh, I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. Uh, on my Instagram or The Well's Instagram, my Facebook, I saw literally every single member of The Well on an airplane yesterday. So I was like, there's going to be nobody here, right? But there is. So praise God. Glad that y'all are here. So uh, I wish Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday every year. Like, it just kind of feels right, doesn't it? Like, Christmas Eve on a Sunday, and so, uh, yeah, it's just good to be worshiping. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be in the book of John. If you don't have Bibles, some ushers are going to come forward now, and if you could just slip your hand up, uh, they will give you a Bible. If you do not own a Bible, I want you to take and keep that, okay? It's our gift to you. We want you to have the Word and to be able to uh, use that throughout the week, and um, you can also follow along on your smartphone, if you wish. If you have the Uversion app, you can click uh, Events, type in the Well Austin. Uh, you can follow along that way. You can also take that link right there on the screen and put it right in your browser, and you can follow along that way. Uh, we say this every week because we sincerely mean this. We want your eyes on the Word because we really believe that the Word of God speaks to us, that it is alive, it's active, it communicates to us in a way that uh, men or songs or uh, nothing else can uh, because it speaks right into our hearts and it recognizes, it pierces our soul even. And so we want your eyes on the Word today. So um, I promised everyone that that today's sermon would be a little bit shorter. <laughs> and then I looked, and the topic was love, right? How do you make a sermon on love shorter, right? Like, if I was preaching on tithing, that'd be easy. Don't nobody want to hear about that anyway, right? But it's on love, and so this is one of the concepts that all of us kind of recognize that uh, it's important, right? Like, like, we recognize the value of love. We desire to have love in our lives. We desire to see what it means to love to uh, the fullest extent. We desire to be loved in these ways. And so um, I actually love that the idea of love cannot really be perfectly defined or really perfectly measured. It's kind of abstract in a way, but it's something that is intrinsically wired inside of each of us to be able to uh, have this desire to love and to be loved, right? So like if I were to say, define love, define love, right? What would you say, okay? Now, some of us, we may have a little bit of a working definition, and we may use some of these things, and, and they may be somewhat accurate, but then if I were to kind of take it a step further and say, hey, how do you measure love, right? Like, what does it mean to measure? How do you know what is so hard to actually know, you know? I mean, you know when you are loved, and you know when you love something or when you love someone, and we all kind of have this intrinsic uh, understanding of love and, and what it means, yet at the same time, it's kind of hard to grasp and it's kind of hard to define. In actuality, that sounds a lot like God, doesn't it? <laughs> hard to grasp, hard to define, but you know when you know that there's something real, Right? There's someone real. He dwells inside of us. He reveals himself to us. And I think that love is a very similar way where it is real. We know that. And even though we can't fully define it, we know that this is something that we long for. And the Bible isn't blind to this uh, theme either. The Bible isn't blind to our need for love. In fact, the Bible 684 times uses the word love. 
Okay, that's once again a lot of times. And so God created us with the desire for love and to be loved. And in this, he gave us one of the most precious, gracious, uh, God-given abilities to actually even love ourselves. If you think about it, this is something that God could have withheld from us and could have given us the ability for judgment or the ability for peace or joy and all these things we have where we kind of uh, uh, are showing the Imago Dei. We, we are showing the image of God in the way that we understand judgment or justice or joy or hope, but he could have withheld love. Yet he doesn't. He gives us that ability to love and even that desire to love and to be loved. And so we know, though, for a lot of us, this isn't always felt or realized. Amen? A lot of us, we wrestle with this, with this understanding of love to a deeper extent. A lot of us long for a more full or for a more whole or for a more complete understanding of love. We desire to have it more in our lives. Our hearts are kind of screaming at us from the inside that there is more love to be had. And we desire to have this more. And we know it because all of us in here, we have loved something or, or probably for a lot of us, someone. Right? You think about uh, when, when you are in uh, high school or maybe for some of y'all, you were in third grade and you thought you began to love a man or a woman, right? And then you move into college and all of a sudden you start feeling this, this love for a man or a woman and, and you desire this person and you think about this person all the time and you talk about this person all the time and they are kind of flooding your thoughts in your mind and every single love song somehow becomes about you and that person, Right, And you think that, oh, this was written just for us, and, and you have to talk about this love. And for some of us, we actually get that man or that woman, if you have game like I did and got my wife, right? And we actually uh, uh, receive what we are looking for. And then after we receive it, what do we do? We go, that's cool. Like what happened to all this infatuation that was beforehand, right? Was it not true or was it something more? Was it that... It was showing us a glimpse of what we all deeply desire, but then once we had that thing, that person, whatever it may be, we realized that that wasn't enough, right? Like, I love my wife. I, I love my daughters. I, I, I love our church. I love uh, different, even, even uh, games or movies or, or possessions. All these things, they have value, but then once you grasp them, you realize that this is not enough. And this is actually one of the places where we would be wise to listen to the hardwiring of our hearts that says, there is something more to be had. That even when you find that one person, that one thing that you think this is what will satisfy, when you realize it doesn't satisfy you, then what happens is, is your heart begins to tell you there is something more and it's right. You've been designed to be loved and to love far more than you can think or imagine. In fact, oftentimes our hearts are deadened to this deep love that we all desire to have. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them and go to John chapter 3. And I was so distracted by my beautiful daughter that I left my Bible down here. <laughs> Say amen with me. Amen. That's only to give me time to get back up here. All right. So John chapter 3 um, is where we'll be. And here's what I want you to do, because this is one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. And most of you, when we start reading it, can go, for God so love the world. And you could just quote it in your head. All right. Don't do that. Okay, you tracking? You following? Don't check out on me here, okay? Because this is an extremely important verse on this idea of love. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, notice a couple of things here, okay? Firstly, one good way to read your Bible is to look at what I like to call added words, okay, or additive words, words that don't really need to be in the sentence in order for that sentence to make perfect and logical sense. God doesn't waste his breath, and so if it is written in there, then it must be for a reason or a purpose. But there are words in a lot of verses that really don't need to be, quote, unquote, added in there. And if you find those words, it actually expands the meaning of that verse for us. And so as you're looking at John chapter 3, verse 16, do you see any added words in there? What's one of the added words? So, right? Y'all like, can, can we talk in church? Yes, you can, okay? So, right? That sentence could very, very easily read, God loved the world and gave, da-da-da, right? But it doesn't read that. He did not just love the world. The Bible reads that he so loved the world, for God so loved the world. This is profound, friends. Not simply because of how big the world is and therefore how big God's love must be, but even more because of what the next verse says, that the world was condemned. God didn't come to condemn the world, but in verse 18 it says that the world was condemned already. God's love is profound not just because the world is so big, but rather that the world is so bad, and yet he loves us anyway. This is unrealistically profound love. This is profound, right? Like, look, I, I have three girls, okay? And it's hard for me to, like, remember all their names. There are only three of them, right? I get the youngest one mixed up, and I'm always talking about the wrong one. I can't, I can't get it right half the time, right? And now imagine, okay, if they didn't even care about me at all, if they had no care for me, or even worse, if they were actively working against and destroying other things that I loved, how hard would it be for me to love even just three of them, right? And yet it says that God so loved the world, which is everyone, right? If our girls were actively working against me and who I am, there'd be a lot more than just some whoopings in the male household. Amen? Yeah. All right. Paul agrees with me. This is our elder, okay? Okay, right? But God not only knows each of our names and how many people that are in here, the Bible says that he actually knows every single hair on your head. He knows how many hairs are on your head, now, for some of y'all, it's a lot easier, right? And praise God for you. All right, you're beautiful too and wonderfully made by God. But for a lot of us, that's hard, right? Like, like how many hairs are on your head? And yet it says that God knows every single one of yours and not just yours, but all of humanity and not just today and the people that are alive today, but all of created history and all of ordered future. God actually knows. This is that he has named every single star in the sky. This is how big our God is and this is how big his love is. And yet this is not what is profound about John 3, 16. It's not about how big God's love is and how many people he can love. It's actually that he loves those of us who are bad anyway, who have no care for God whatsoever, who even though the scriptures say that he sustains every single breath that we take, we have no thought of him, and yet God loves us still. Friends, this is profound love. Do you even know anybody that has a, a fragment of love that is that divine, that is that deep. God's love is so deep that even when we actively work against him, God loves us still. Friends, this is intense, right? This is insane that God would love us that much, you know? 
Makai keeps looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, am I in trouble because he's yelling, right? No, this is crazy, right? Like, this is an unbelievable thing that God's love is this profound. God so loves you. God does not love you. God so loves you. And not just you, but us in this building, and not just us in here, or not even just those who call upon the name of the Lord, but God so loves the world. This is unbelievable, right? Because of how much we often work against him. Or God loves you even when you could care less about God and his existence. God loves you still. Or God loves you when you are actively working against him. Or God loves you that even though you may love God, there are these sins in your life that you can't really get under control and you kind of keep falling back into your old habits, into your old life. God loves you still. God loves you when you are the believer that has this awesome worship experience and you're singing out to God and all things seem right. God loves the world at every single step of the way. This is profound love. This is something that should stir up our heart's affections and drive us into worship because this is unreal. We know nothing like this love. There is nothing else that is even uh, fragmented. There's not even other shadows of the love like this. God so loves you, right? Like, I don't know, maybe you're higher on yourself than I am, but for God to love me, that makes no sense to me. Because even though I'm a pastor, I know that 97% of the time, my heart does not really have affection for God. And yet God loves me still. He so loves you. He so, friends, look at that word. God so loves you, right? And this needs to penetrate our hearts. The love that we are longing for, the love that we look for, the love that we desire, friends, it's here. It is here. Right? 2,000 years ago, this love descended and came and lived amongst us. This love that nothing else can satisfy, but other things do show us fragmented pictures of. Right? The relationship, the possession, the different things that we long for, though those things do not satisfy, the, the wiring in our heart is saying, hey, seek after that, seek after that, because it is commanding you to seek after love, and love is here. And it's a person, and it's Jesus. And Jesus loves us, so all of us in here, we know that we need this love. As I keep mentioning, it's been hardwired into us by God so that we would not be satisfied until we found God because God is good enough to force us to draw near to him. God is good enough to not satisfy any other things and any other things. Nothing else will give us what we long for until we find our longing, our value, our worth, our everything in him. And we need, friends, to make space to allow the love of God inside of us because this love is profound. And actually, this love also gives us the capacity to love unlike other things as well. In fact, without this love of God dwelling inside of us, we are unable to love the things that we care about the most with the utmost passion and fervor that we have been designed for because we need to know the love of God. I wanna look at one more scripture before we close out here today. In 1 John chapter four, um, This is a a, a huge section on God's love. And I want to read verses 7 through 12. And I want you to think about this. All right, we only have a couple more minutes up here. But I want you to, to think about the love of God. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is why the word love shows up 684 times in the Bible. 498 of them are right here, right? But over and over and over, you see God's love, God's love. Look, God is love. And so without God, it is hard to love the way that we have been created to love. Without God, it is hard for us to actually have the understanding or the capability to display the love even to other people around us the way that God desires us to display it. We may have lust without God. We may have like without God. We may have affection without God. And listen, affection and like, like, like those are not bad things in and of themselves, but, but love, what we were actually created for, because God is love, we have to find that in him. And so not only does the Christmas story tell us that love came down and dwelled among us, that we would be able to love God and even be loved by God, but the Christmas story also tells us that because of this love, we are now able to extend this into other people, that we are able to now love Christ creation, each other, even ourselves, the way that we were designed for. Here's a crazy thing, even for the Christian in here today, even for those of you who have experienced God's love, do you not recognize that that is the most fragmented piece that you could ever experience, that that you have only tasted love 0.0001%? And if you're a Christian and you've experienced the love of God, you know what that is like. It may be hard to remember at times. It may be hard to live in at times. But if you have tasted the love of God, then you know that there is nothing like it. And friends, the Bible is really clear. This is the most fragmented picture that we would ever even be able to imagine. That this is nothing compared to the true love that God has for us. And one day, we will be able to have to its perfection. This is profound, right? This is what we were created for. To love and to know love. Even Today, where that is nothing more than a dim shadow of what it will truly be like, scriptures make clear that if we believe in Jesus, one day we will see love and we will experience love the way that we were designed. Even though right now it is microcosmically small, the love of God, if you've tasted it, you know how profound and big it actually is. And even in those fragments, it will reveal to us that there is more to be had. This is the love of God in Christ for us. This is why we celebrate on Christmas Eve, right? This is why we talk about the love of God last. Because as these candles would show us, the hope of God is a very beautiful thing. And one day we will be with him forever. Praise God. And the peace of God, the peace with God and the peace with man. Look, at this is something that the world fights for. We long for peace and the joy of God. Listen, I long to be joyful forever, right? To have no more tears, to have no more sorrow. Even this morning, I'm sitting here kind of laughing in my head because Mary is up here playing and she's sick. That won't happen in heaven, right? Like she will never be sick again. Then we can just worship forever, right? Like, like this is joy and I long for that. But the love of God, this is what will last forever, This, friends, is what we have truly been created for. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that hope and faith and and these other things are all great, but that all passes away and love remains 
forever. The love of God is what we have been designed for. The love of Christ in God. One day we will live freely and we will be fully known and fully loved. And how do we know this to be true? Well, friends, because of what both passages talked about today. In fact, if you could throw up verse 9 again one more time, I want you to look at this, right? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, okay, it says very, very clearly, In this the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The Greek word for manifest there is actually the word incarnate. What that means is to dwell in, to live in. It says that God was made incarnate with us. Or in other words, God came down to be born of a man that he may show us this love. Jesus came into the world, born a baby. That the most profound, the most divine, the the greatest love that is ever known was born in a manger, the exact opposite of love, it feels like. And that literally upon being born, King Herod wanted him to be killed, so he had to flee to Egypt. And then all his life, he never really had the love that he had with the Father. And Jesus came down incarnate, manifest, born with us, amongst us, dwelt around us to live a perfect life that we couldn't, and then went up onto the cross to pay for our condemnation, as, first John, or as John chapter 3 would tell us. And that Jesus actually absorbed the sins of all of us, that every single bad thing that we have done, that all the ways we have worked against God and his love, that Jesus consumed that in himself on the cross, friends. This is love. In fact, we can know that we were made for this love and will one day have this love because Jesus lost all understanding of love there on the cross. He experienced nothing but the wrath of God that as our sins and condemnation were being poured out on Christ, it said that he bore the wrath of God. And friends, this is where love was most fully displayed because as the wrath of God was being poured onto Christ, the love of God extended from Christ into us. And if we believe in him, we can now have this love forever. Jesus took on the wrath of God that we would know nothing of it but only the love of God forever. This is what we were designed for. This love can now dwell in our hearts. And friends, one day Jesus will come and he will make all things right. This Advent, we've been celebrating not just the first coming of Christ, but we've actually been remembering, reflecting on the second coming. That even though this love was made beautiful the first time, it'll be perfected the second. And that what your heart longs for, friends, if you listen to it long enough, if you quiet yourself enough, what you are longing for will one day be fully realized in Jesus. That you will have love and you will know nothing but love. And all the fear will be cast away forever, friends. Can I get like an amen or a head nod for that? All of the sorrow will be cast away. All of the suffering will be no more. All of the pain will be thrown away. Every single thing that we do not like, right? Everything that we hate in this world, it'll be gone. And all you will know is the love of Christ. This is why we long for him to come. Because the love paid for us to be united with the Father the first time, and it will pave the way for us to be united with him forever the second time. Love, friends, this is what it means to be a Christian, is to know the love of God and to have this love dwelling inside of us. 
And I pray that this Christmas Eve, as you open up the gifts and eat the cookies and have fun with family, that even that would be the most fragmented expression of the love of God. And that you would remember as you were doing those things that one day love can be perfected and that you can enter into the love of God forever. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the love that you have displayed for us, Jesus. Christ, thank you for loving us when we did not love you and when we have a hard time even loving ourselves, you love us. Man, Father, I pray for those who are wrestling even with you and with who you are and, and maybe their, their family member drugged them to church today. And man, God, I just pray that you would reveal your love for them even right now. Friends, that if you do not know Jesus, that even right now you can enter into the love of God forever. This changes us, friends. This changes who we are. That if you, despite where you've come from, despite how you feel about God, despite what these past few years have, have brought, that even right now you can surrender your heart to Christ the love of Christ can dwell inside of you and can live in you forever and teach you what you've been longing for. If you say, Jesus, I want to live with you, then even right now that can be possible. And friends, I know that some of you have been wrestling with God and, and maybe this is your first time back in church in a couple of years or maybe you've just been kind of running away. Friends, even right now, God loves you still. This is profound. No one else does that. When we sin against others and push them away, they just run away from us. But friends, not God. And so God, I pray for those of us who are in that position, even right now, God, that you would remind us of the love that you have for us and that we would come back to you. And God, I pray for everybody who knows you, who loves you. God, I know I long to love you more. I long to be closer to you than I am. God, remove the sin that would, that would create barriers between me and you and help me to love the way that you have designed for me. Let my heart open up to your love. And God, I pray that would be true for everybody in here today, that we would open up for your love, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, Christ. Thank you for coming down and being born of a man. We are so unworthy, Jesus. Thank you. God, as I, I hold my five-month-old and see just the frailty of, of, of life there, Jesus, you put yourself into that. Christ, you sustained your very mother's lungs while you dwelled inside of her. You came down to dwell amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. Let us remember that. Let us rejoice in that. Let us remind ourselves of that love, Christ. Please remind us of that love. God, do a good work in us, through us, with us, and help us, God, to love each other. We thank you, Jesus. I pray these things in your very beautiful name. Amen. Hey, to, to